You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast, episode number 41, February 23rd, 2021. This show is produced in partnership with Hospitality Technology and Restaurant Technology Network. Smarter hotels, smarter restaurants. Hey, this is Alex Cantor, CEO and co-founder of Ordermark, and you are listening today to Skip on the Tech Chef podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity, how about a taste test of restaurant technology, drive-through or curbside, mobile apps or AI, it's all on the menu, cook it up for the day, it's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with the tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Welcome back, my friends, to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is your host, Skip Kimple. And as always, it is a pleasure having you join me for yet another episode of the fastest growing restaurant, hotel, and hospitality technology podcast out there. For those of you joining us for the very first time, you are in the right place if you want to learn more about these industries from a technology perspective. Season one, we had a blast and had some very, very awesome guests on the show. And season two, we're stepping up our game and we will not disappoint. I guarantee you that. If you have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast listening software now. This will make sure you don't miss a single episode and you are always on top of the latest industry topics and news. Our guest today has been in the news quite a bit lately. If you have been at any restaurant technology conference over the past couple of years, you have probably seen him speak. Alex Cantor is a restaurant industry innovator, in-demand speaker, and passionate advocate for restaurant operators and workers. He was raised in the kitchen of the world-famous Cantor's Deli in Los Angeles, where he and his team invented Ordermark. A fourth-generation restaurateur, the restaurant business has been in Alex's blood for over 85 years. In addition to being the visionary and leader of Ordermark, Alex is active with the Techstars Network and enjoys mentoring other restaurant technology entrepreneurs and occasional angel investing. He is a 2019 recipient of the Forbes 30 Under 30 and Fast Casual Executives Top 25. Alex previously led several technology ventures and most recently, Ordermark announced the close of its $120 million Series C funding round led by SoftBank and returning investor Act One Ventures. We will talk about all of this and more during today's show. Enjoy. Alex, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I, I know you guys are a very busy guy, but for those that might not know who you are or what you do, let's start off a little bit about the background of your family business, because there's a very interesting transition here into where you are at today with Ordermark. So tell us a little bit about your history. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me and i um, happy to, to give you some, some background here. Um, so I grew up as the fourth generation of a, a famous family restaurant business here in Los Angeles. 
called Cantor's Deli that's been around for about 90 years, one of the largest and, and, and oldest restaurants in all of LA. And just like my dad and my grandfather, um, I grew up working at a very early age in the family business and became in charge of really adapting the business for the next generation and bringing in uh, new technology to help make that transition happen. And you know, through a lot of experimentation, um, we uncovered this, this amazing opportunity through um, off-premise business and, and really embraced a lot of the third-party uh, ordering channels that were available um, for, for, the, for the restaurants and, and signed up for everything. Every, every time that we added another online ordering platform like Grubhub or Postmates, uh, or even a local uh, ordering platform that's just here in LA, we realized that we were adding incremental orders into the business. And if we listed on these apps, we simply didn't exist to all the people who used them. Um, and 14 ordering services later, um, we ended up in increasing our, our, our off-premise business became over 30% of, of my family business's revenue, um, which was an astonishing number um, to, to look at. It was a couple million dollars a year just, just on these apps. Um, but the staff hated me because we had nine tablets, two laptops, and a fax machine to manage all those incoming orders. Ouch. And really, yeah, it was, it was a, a very painful experience from an operational perspective. Um, it felt like the online ordering companies didn't spend a lot of time in, in the restaurant to understand how the orders needed to flow into the kitchen and it was, it was as if they were all designed independently without the others in mind. And in 2017, um, uh, you know, a couple um, of people who I came across in the industry got together and, and we, we co-founded OrderMark um, to really reimagine the, the whole online ordering experience in a restaurant, um, giving a, a restaurant a single device that enables them to be on all of the available and relevant platforms um, in a very manageable way with a single menu, you know, uh, one place to look at all the, the reports that are coming in. And, and once restaurants use the single device, it becomes very easy for them to manage their whole delivery business. Um, and, and that was really the, the birth of, of why OrderMark came to fruition. Um, but then, you know, as we started to expand and, and work with thousands of restaurants across um, the U.S., we, we realized that this problem was, was very relevant for restaurants of all size, all, all types, um, and, and we were working with all different restaurants from mom and pops up to, you know, very large chains and, and even, you know, locations of Subway and Sonic and some of the largest chains in the U.S., and we, we realized that the way that we designed our technology um, you know, we're, we're not only aggregating all the different ordering streams, but we're actually enabling a restaurant to be able to fulfill orders for multiple brands out of their same kitchen as well. And, and that became a very popular technology for many of these ghost kitchen facilities and virtual restaurant groups that started to emerge. And, and over time, um, we, we really realized that the most impactful thing that we can be doing for restaurants is driving incremental orders into their kitchen. Um, and since day one, that's been a big focus for our business. It's connecting them to more of these channels where, where people are, 
are ordering from, but we've now taken that a step further with our new product offering called NextBite, which is basically a portfolio of virtual only restaurant brands that exist only online. And these, these menus are being fulfilled out of the back of underutilized kitchens or restaurants that have extra capacity um, to handle you know, another 10 or 20 orders a day out of their, their same um, restaurant that they're already operating out of. And that's been a, a really exciting new area of focus for us as a company. Um, it's been a really game-changing um, you know, thing for us to, to be able to, to deliver and bring into these restaurants that need more or, you know, need these orders more than ever before. And sometimes these incremental orders through these virtual brands that we've created can be the difference of, of, of these restaurants keeping their doors open or not. Um, so it's been a really exciting time for us as a company, and there's just so much innovation happening in our industry that we're, you know, we're trying to help advance forward with with the technology and products and services and tools as as, as a business that we have. Yeah, you jumped ahead of me with your virtual brands. We're going to get into a little more detail about that in a little bit. When did Order Mark start? Um, so Order Mark was founded in 2017. Okay, and the first. The first year, we actually um, built, you know, built the product behind the deli counter of the restaurant in a real high-stress test environment. So you you built it out of necessity. You, I mean, this I'm sure the end goal in mind was always in the back of your head of, hey, this is a marketable product. But obviously, you built it, you tested it, you stress test it within your own restaurants to make sure that it fulfilled the need and it made the restaurants more efficient and took away some of that frustrations that operations was experiencing. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. We, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking to um, some of the, the employees in, in the restaurant about what, you know, in a, in a perfect world, how would this work? And, and really it's, it's, it's quite simple. The you know, restaurants are used to operating off of, um, basically you know printed thermal tickets traditionally an epson thermal printer um, which is the foundation of our product we, we started by building um, a, a a printer that basically spits out standardized orders whether it's coming in from doordash or delivery.com or, or any platform it looks the same it feels the same to the person in the kitchen who all they have to do is now put their heads down and make the food and not think about any of the logistics involved um, from confirming the orders on these tablets, getting that information into the kitchen. Um, and then the, the beauty of, of the way that we designed this, this product is that the printed out ticket becomes the label on the bag that goes out the door to make sure that the driver is coming to pick up the right food too. So, um, you know, you think, you would think that a, a, a physical uh, printer is kind of old school technology, but that's really how restaurants operate and have, have it's the language that they already understand yeah and i've been in the scenario of trying to convert a restaurant that has traditionally used tickets and try to get them to use a kds now while in most cases a kds is a much more efficient way to run your your back of house uh, i gotta tell you what there is there is that learning curve that, and man if they've been operating off tickets for a while it's difficult to get them to change from that now so you're a young guy i mean you i, I i'm impressed with the age that you are and everything that you've you've accomplished. Now, growing up in the family business, it sounds like you brought a lot of ideas to the table from a new business revenue perspective. 
but you obviously were also at the same time trying to find IT solutions to solve for the operational issues. Are I mean, are you the IT guy of the family? Are you the one that everybody calls when they got a broken computer? Um, you know, a, a lot of um, a lot of the the mentality of the restaurant world is if it's not broken, don't fix it. It's a very old school business that, that, you know, feels like it's last for the party with technology. And, and I remember, um, you know, as a teenager, I, I was coming in and implementing our first point of sale system and redoing our website to make it mobile friendly and renovating the menu to introduce gluten-free options and vegetarian offerings. And, um, you know, I, I think there's this, there's this, um, there's even even though the family business is an old school restaurant, we've always had the act or die mentality, which is how we've been able to survive, you know, for decades upon decades, um, through through wars and <laughs> president changes and you know, de- depressions, and um, it's it's really um, I, I think it's 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 such an important thing to think about the next generation, and and you know, my dad is is very innovative. He He's always been looking at ways in which we can expand um, our, our footprint as well. And I used to run around to all the restaurant conferences as a kid, um, like a kid in a candy store, running around, signing up for everything and seeing what worked and what didn't work. And it was a lot of fun to, to bring in something that worked and, and show that change is good. And especially, you know, post uh, the 2008 recession, we were forced as a business to figure out new ways to reach customers outside of our four walls because our foot traffic was declining. And luckily, these these um, there's all these these companies and platforms and services that help you reach these customers digitally um, because it's so hard for a mom and pop restaurant to think about you know the the digital marketing strategy and the IT that's involved. Not everyone has, a, you know, the younger son coming into the family business to help with that. And luckily, there, there are some amazing technology companies out there that are really doing, doing uh, you know, great things for restaurants. And I think the third-party ordering platforms themselves sometimes are viewed as like a necessary evil or, or these things that, you know, they, they take too high of a percentage to make it profitable for the restaurant, but really... Um, we, we've embraced the, the mindset of like, how do we make these third-party marketplaces our best friend? And how do we create a menu and pricing that works to sustain a profitable delivery business? And, and, and it's a huge learning curve. It's very hard for many restaurants to make that adjustment, um, especially if you were a restaurant that was not set up for that in the first place. Um, we've, we're seeing now a lot of higher-end restaurants like fine dining and full-service restaurants that never... Um, prioritized off-premise, having to, to go through that, that really challenging um, change to make their menu work, to make um, an off-premise business work when their dining room is shut down. And, and many are failing. Many are, are also getting very creative and, and figuring out a, a way to make it work. And I think, um, you know, th- the ones that are embracing change are, are more likely going to survive and get through this. I agree. And with the fine dining aspect, you are 100% right. It's interesting talking to some of my colleagues in the fine dining area that, you know, third-party delivery was never an option for them. They're like, how can we send out a $60 steak, 
you know, in a, in a container and expect people to pay for that, you know, cause it's going to be cold when it arrives, but there's some money that can be also spent on proper packaging to make sure it, it actually arrives the way they need it to. But I also think that during COVID there's been an adjustment in customer behavior and also customer expectations because let's, and I'm just going to just throw out an example. Let's say you went to Ruth Chris once every two weeks, maybe to take some, some colleagues out or, or some vendors out. And all of a sudden you're not eating that food anymore. Eventually you're going to crave it. The dining rooms might be shut down, you know, depending on what state you're in, but eventually you're going to crave the food and you're going to want it. And what I'm finding is the fine dining facilities are latching on to it, even though they don't want to, they're realizing they have to if they want to survive as a brand. And I, I really think that is that is critical. Now, you know, obviously, Ordermark, um, you know, what it was meant to be to begin with and in today's environment are probably two different things. Now, from a trying to for somebody who doesn't know your product, is it you have all these third party delivery companies is everything coming into, for instance, into a tablet or are you integrating into the POS? Maybe you can explain how Ordermarks works with your current organization. Um, maybe even, maybe there's two different levels of, you know, it can be as complex as integrating with a POS or it could be as easy as just having a tablet and a printer. So maybe talk about that phase. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, our, our traditional offering is, is, a dedicated uh, tablet and printer device that's just for online ordering and off-premise. So we ship restaurants a single tablet and printer traditionally, um, and all of their ordering that happens off-premise is aggregated into the single device. Um, we do offer some POS integrations as well, um, but most point-of-sale companies are actually not um, they don't have the proper infrastructure and they're not designed for online ordering injection and all the flexibility that has to happen in order for it to work successfully every single time. And, and what I mean by that, um, online ordering has a lot of complexity within it. There are future orders, there are orders that can be modified after they've been placed, there are orders that get canceled after they've been placed, and because of all of this complexity, it's for us, we provide restaurants with our own hardware um, that we don't charge them for. We, we just give it to them for free because we know when we're controlling the endpoint, um, it's, it's much easier to make sure that every order is, is, um, is gonna be right 100% of the time. And that's so critical. You don't wanna be throwing out food or, or making the wrong food or making an order that's been canceled after it's already been made. Um, when it's when the, the margins are already thin enough, so we, you know, we we know that by providing our own hardware, um, it's a much more reliable experience. But also, there are a couple of point of sale integrations that we do offer that um, we have vetted and believe are are sustainable for um, for the injection piece as well. And just for the listeners that might have those POS systems, what what might those be? Um, you know, we, we've gone deep with um, Touch Bistro. It's been a, a very good partner for us and Brink and, and, you know, Toast and a lot of the more innovative cloud-based point-of-sale systems. So I've, I've, I've got two questions. One, with even with a POS integration uh, with, a, uh, with an integrated partner, 
sometimes, for instance, Uber, I'm going to call Uber out on this, and I'm not, I'm not saying Uber or any of these third-party delivery companies are necessary evils because I, I, pl- have on, I plan on having them come on the show to actually tell us their side of the business case because at the end of the day, they are a marketplace. They are a marketing platform for us to get our menus out there. So I'm, I'm not here to beat up any company whatsoever. But for instance, Uber, even if you have the POS integration, you need to have an Uber tablet at least for that store logged in and online. And if you don't, it will actually turn you off. Um, you know, if a guest is looking for you on their Uber app, if your tablet's not online, even though you're integrated, fully integrated, um, you disappear from the listing. So does your tablet and your system um, make up for that where you don't need that scenario of having that Uber tablet on site? That, that is correct. So we have an, we have an API integration um, partnership with Uber that allows um, restaurants to be online and taking orders from Uber Eats without the need to have a dedicated Uber Eats tablet in the store. Um, but you still you know, need to be on and activated and um, you still have the ability to, to pause service or change your hours from the order mark dashboard, um, which would automatically update your hours on Uber Eats. Um, and it's, it's, it kind of mimics some of the functionality of what you would be able to do in the Uber Eats tablet. So you know, we, we still require our restaurants to have a tablet. It just doesn't need to be the Uber Eats tablet. It's, it's, it's our tablet. Do you provide the capabilities? Let's say you have three or four delivery different delivery partners. Um, do you have a single point where you can update your hours of operation? For instance, if you had to close early for a holiday or something like that. In this single device, you have um, the ability to pause service across all of your platforms. Eighty-six items from your menu across all your platforms. Um, you can you can make menu changes that automatically get pushed out to all the platforms that you're using. And that becomes more and more complicated the more services you're using. Um, I remember um, there was a moment at, at Cantor's when one time we, we ran out of hummus in the restaurant and it would probably take at least three to four hours to go into all 14 uh, services backends and, and update the menus accordingly. And in that time, I could just make more hummus. <laughs> it's like kind of, it's kind of crazy to operate um, when, when all these systems are not integrated um, with each other. But that's, that's one of the big benefits that we provide through our single device is that um, restaurants are really using our tablet as their command center for delivery. It's their, it's their single source of truth online ordering menu. It's their one place to pull reports from. Um, so it's it's more than just consolidating the orders in its two way, and and that's a really um, in, important reason why why many restaurants are are using our system. All right, I'm going to go into a completely different direction because I want to make sure we have time to cover this. And this is Next Bite. Next Bite is your virtual restaurant concept, but you guys are approaching it from a completely different business perspective. I'm going to let you run with this subject because I think this is a fascinating uh, piece for people to hear. Yeah, so the next bite has been a really interesting development um, for our, our company. Um, we, we've been working on it actually for a couple of years now, but basically um, now that consumers have gotten used to ordering digitally and opening up um, Uber Eats when they're hungry, it, it opens up this whole new opportunity 
for what we call virtual restaurants um, to exist online, which means basically um, a restaurant that is available to order from on these platforms, but you know, it doesn't have a physical storefront anywhere. Um, a virtual restaurant could be running out of the back of a ghost kitchen or a commissary kitchen, or I think more interestingly, out of the back of an existing restaurant um, that has an underutilized kitchen and has extra capacity to run multiple brands using the same overhead. So the rent is already fixed, the lights are already on, the staff is already in the kitchen. Whether you're running one menu or one brand out of, out of your restaurant or, or you're running five brands out of your restaurant. And so what we've done is we've created NextBite, which is a portfolio of virtual only restaurant brands that exist only online. And we are able to go into existing restaurants and, and teach them, you know, if you carry these specific ingredients and you prepare the food this way, we will put this brand online for you and promote it and drive order volume into your restaurant. And all you have to do as a restaurant is make the orders and put them up for a driver to come scoop them up. And, and because of that, we now have um, some restaurants that have turned on these virtual restaurant brands that are actually outperforming their existing restaurant um, in a digital way. And, you know, a good example, we had this pizza restaurant in the suburbs of Indianapolis. Um, it's a mom and pop restaurant that was doing okay in a delivery only format that their dining room was shut down because of COVID. And they were, you know, kind of on the, on the break even, struggling to break even side of things. And we came in and introduced five virtual restaurant brands. So one of them was our brand Grilled Cheese Society, which is a fun menu of, you know, fun grilled cheese sandwiches. Um, we had a, a hot chicken concept that we launched with them. Um, just, you know, very easy, simple menus that we introduced into this restaurant, put it on all these platforms like Uber Eats, DoorDash, Postmates, Grubhub, et cetera. And we started generating uh, an extra $70,000 a month in incremental gross sales for this location. Um, that was much more than what they were doing on their own in their own delivery business for their mom and pop pizza restaurant. And, you know, they didn't have to hire any additional staff. They didn't have to extend their hours. They're using their same infrastructure. So this incremental order volume that they're getting, it's about 30% profit margin, um, which is unheard of for the restaurant industry. Typically, restaurants are used to trying to earn 5 to 10% profit margin on their business. But when we're coming in and layering these existing brands on top of their business, um, each incremental order is straight profit for them. It's been a great way for us to make an impact for these restaurants when they need it the most. Absolutely. And so any listener that um, religiously listens to this show, last week I did a segment uh, that I recorded last year um, with uh, hospitality technology during their, um, their Hotel Next conference. And the subject was what can hotels learn from restaurants, basically from COVID? Restaurants have been, you know, have the ability to be a little more flexible, but I, I did specifically talk about ghost kitchens and virtual kitchens. And I know there's a lot of hotels out there right now where, you know, maybe due to, this, due to the state that they're in, they're not able to open their dining room or they're very cautious about that. 
But my idea was why not open up your kitchen and start doing virtual restaurants or maybe turn it into a ghost kitchen for a, a local restaurant to also cook something out of there. And because hotels are usually in great vicinities for um, the marketplace of, you know, the, the, the saturation of density of who you're trying to reach from a food perspective. So you providing this next bite concept with all these different virtual concepts that a hotel could say, I don't even know where to start, but you know what? I can call Alex Cantor and he's got 15 different restaurants that I could immediately launch from my kitchen and start making money out of our kitchen again that we're paying, you know, we're paying the space anyway. So why not get use out of it? So I think that is super exciting. And I'm hoping anybody who listened to last week is taking notes. And I'm hoping anybody that's listening this week that didn't hear last week actually goes back and takes a listen because I think there's a great opportunity between those two to really connect them. And I love the fact that you guys are doing that. Now, you guys are not the only people in the industry doing that. I've got another guest coming on probably in March sometime that's doing something very similar. Um, But this seems to be the new thing Um, and pre-producing these virtual brand concepts. So a restaurant really doesn't have to rethink it. They're just like, hey, we need additional income. Where do we do? What, What do we do? Where do we go? And how do we do it? So you're providing that entire solution for them, which I think is great. Because at the end of the day, like you said, it helps restaurants drive that incremental volume that they really need right now. Yeah, you know, you're you're absolutely right in the way that you're thinking about it. And and uh, you mentioned the example of a of a vacant kitchen in a hotel. We're actually working with some hotel groups now, Kinton and and others, and um, nightclubs that have you know empty. Um, kitchens that are not being used, bars that that have, you know, unused kitchens. There's there's all these different types of um, kitchens out there that are that are either vacant or not utilized to their to their maximum capacity. And we're able to come in and introduce these turnkey, proven brands that are data driven that that are really um, designed for a, for an off-premise experience and. Um, you know, a lot, a lot goes into the concept development process and the marketing that is a huge learning curve for restaurants to try to figure out on their own. Um, but we do see many restaurants trying to launch their own virtual restaurant brands. Some are more successful than others. And oftentimes when we, when we introduce these concepts, like there's a light bulb that goes off in these restaurants' heads um, to say, wow, I, I could really be doing more out of the same kitchen through this new um, way of, of doing business and running multiple brands out of one kitchen. And it's not a surprise to see others in the space jumping on this because it's such an exciting opportunity um, to, to really come in and, and maximize that output. And um, th- this is all possible because of, of that change in consumer behavior. A lot of the digital ordering shift that we expected to see over the next 10 years has been um, you know, crammed into a matter of months because of COVID. It's really changed consumer behavior for the long term. And even the ordering demographic that used to be 18 to 34 year olds is now a lot wider than that. And, and there's a lot more repeat users and people who are, you know, using uh, the Dash Pass on DoorDash or Postmates Unlimited who are now, you know, ordering on these platforms on a weekly basis. And um, just putting brands onto the, the platforms itself is, um, a great way to to reach different types of consumer audiences, but but also the marketing that goes into it and the promotion 
um, is, is all important stuff to, to figure out. And that's something that we handle on behalf of all of our restaurants so that they don't have to think about it. They just make food, which is typically what they do best anyway. Are you saying that grandpa now has fast pass with DoorDash? Is that what you're trying to say? He the does. demographic has shifted? I, I literally, um, he literally does have the Dash Pass and, and he um, loves it. He had no idea that it was even possible to have his favorite restaurants delivering to his door. Um, and, you know, he, he will never be going back um, to, to the, the old habits of like every time he's hungry going out um, to eat or making food. Now that he knows that this exists, this is a regular habit that is not going away. So. Interesting. Now, when we started off the conversation today and you were talking about your early days at, at um, the deli, uh, you're talking about going to all the conferences and you're the kid in the candy store running around talking to all the vendors. I've known you about the time that you started order Mark and you and I always end up at speaking events at the, you know, at the same time you, you have become uh, a thought leader within the organization. So, um, and I'm not quite sure about the date, but this is late last year. Um, there was a big headline that hit the, um, that the restaurant news about you getting $120 million funding, uh, for some of your growth which I, you know, I was sitting back going, this young kid, he's got, he, he's got some ambition and I'm super impressed because obviously they would not have invested that money in your company if you did not present a pretty impressive uh, future and uh, growth plan. So maybe you can tell me about what those funds are going to mean for not only your company, but for people looking to use your product. Yeah, so um, we, you know, we're super excited about our recent financing round led by SoftBank, which we couldn't have asked for a better investment partner to have somebody who um, has been investing very heavily in this space for many years across companies like DoorDash and Uber Eats and Reef and autonomous vehicles and a lot of the game-changing technologies that are, are really advancing our industry forward. Um, they just really come in with, with a, a very knowledgeable perspective of, of what's happening and where, where the future of this industry is headed. And um, it's really more than anything, just allowing us to, to ramp up our, our entire ambition and, and, and team and, and our efforts to help make the biggest possible impact that we can to this industry. Um, today, we work with thousands of restaurants across the U.S., um, and, and starting to expand internationally a bit as well. And this allows us to, to really get our technology into more restaurants faster and start to move upstream a bit into, into working with some of the, the bigger enterprise chains as well. And, you know, the, the impact that we're, that we're driving from, from these incremental orders with NextBite, I think is just so critical in this moment in time. And it allows us to, to just go so much bigger with, investing in, in, in brand development and, and bringing some of the, the best possible virtual restaurant concepts to the world. And um, I think, I think it's, a, it's an amazing moment in time to, to embrace innovation. And um, for, for the operators out there that are looking to, to supercharge their kitchen, I think we have a, a full you know, suite of, of services that can really help you, you do that from the core technology that, that simplifies the operations and aggregates the order to then introducing uh, multi-menu functionality and, and you know really expanding the, the audience with, with menus. That's 
something that we're going to continue to invest in at a, at a much bigger um, pace than we've, than we've ever been able to before. We've already, um, you know, grown, grown our team quite aggressively over the last couple of months, doubling in size, almost 200 employees now. And we, we have some very big ambitions to help, you know, drive this industry forward and, and be a, a part of this, this, this moment in time. So um, I, I, I'm very grateful and excited to have, you know, great investors behind us. And it really allows us to, to go a lot bigger. Well, it says an awful lot too about a company like that making that type of investment in the middle of COVID. Obviously, your your foresight and your business plan is solid, and I can't wait to see where that goes. Alex, we're about to finish up here. We're running out of time. Actually, I got you a little having you a little go over a little bit here. I'm going to close out with some these questions I did not prepare you with. So it's a little section which I call this or that. Okay. Now, okay. these questions, I'm going to hit you up. It's, a, it's, it's one choice or the other first question or the first answer that comes to your mind. Just, uh, just kick it out to me. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Pizza, thick or thin? Ooh, thick. I'm a big uh, deep dish guy. Deep dish guy. But you, we're, you didn't grow up in the Midwest or Chicago or anything, did you? You know, I went to, to college in the Midwest, and I am uh, married a Midwestern. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. You know, I grew up in Wisconsin, and, and deep dish, you know, Chicago deep dish, but Wisconsin was, you know, known for it as well. So, interesting. Starbucks or Dunkin'? Starbucks all the way. Starbucks all the way. What do you get when you go there? Um, You know, I, I, I'm a simple coffee guy, like cold <laughs> brew, like not too, not too sweet, um, but they also really nailed it with their um, with their food offering. I love some of their breakfast items, particularly the egg white sous vide. Um, okay, interesting. Hamburgers or hot dogs? Uh, Got to go with hamburgers on that one. Okay, Coke or Pepsi? Neither, neither for sure. Neither for not. sure. Okay, well, what's option three? Um, I, I, I traditionally drink a lot of water and sparkling okay. water. I'm not a big flavored drink guy. Interesting. Interesting. That's a fair answer. Trailblazer or trendsetter and why? Oh, um, <laughs> I think um, a little bit of both. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. It is a tough one. If I look at if I look at what you've done, and and I, you know, just from my limited interaction with you, I would have to say you're definitely a trailblazer. You you are making because you saw problems within the industry before other people saw problems, and you you had attempted to make changes. That I truly believe that makes you a trailblazer. But trendsetter, yeah, I could well, see I could see you fitting in that category as well. I appreciate that, but but a lot of this also has to do with um, looking at a lot of data and, and looking at upcoming trends and making sure that we are are staying on top of what's coming too. So, <laughs> a little bit of both. Awesome, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know we've talked for a while, but I, I think today was perfect timing for our guest as they consider their virtual brand concepts. That's such a popular subject right now. Um, are there any closing remarks you can provide really to help some of these brands consider their paths down the virtual restaurant and or 
ghost kitchen path? Because I know there's a lot of thought behind that if it's the right thing for everybody to do. Yeah, um, I, I think I really do think it is the right thing for everyone, except maybe In-N-Out, where they have the luxury of, of being at maximum capacity at all times of their day. But any restaurant that's not In-N-Out and has the ability to handle more orders, especially even if it's only at certain day parts or on weekdays or outside of dinner rush, um, I think it's a really great moment in time to embrace experimentation and, and try um, launching your own virtual brands, try experimenting with, with virtual brands that already exist out in the market, and we, we'd be happy to help um, educate you on, on what's, what's out there and what's available and some of the different strategies that we've been seeing. It's something that um, we enjoy doing. We, we love um, helping restaurants navigate this, this Wild West opportunity that's, that's available right now. So if somebody wants to learn more, we've got a restaurant out there that really wants to dig into this whole virtual kitchen concept that, that you have going on um, with Next Bite. Who do they reach out to? Um, you could actually just go to ordermark.com or uh, nextbite.io um, for more information. And there's a little contact submission form and someone will, will jump on a call with you and, and kind of walk you through the offering and how it works and, and you know, be there to answer any questions that you have. Alex, you have an amazing future ahead of you. You're so young with so much in front of you. I can't wait to see what you do. Keep up the amazing work, um, certainly for everything you've done, and keep inspiring all of us uh, who strive to take our concepts to the next level. And I think you, seeing you, hearing you talk, I think you truly do that. So do not change a thing that you're doing and just keep, keep going after it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me and continuing to, to you know, bring guests on to educate the world because this is a, a very um, challenging moment in time for the restaurant industry and, and we all need to share best practices and figure out what works and what doesn't work together. So thank you. I'll tell you what, Alex is a very young guy and he is just getting started. I can't wait to watch him grow over the years to come. I can tell that this is just the beginning of what we are going to see from him. Remember, you can always reach out to me via everything social at Skip Kimple. If you have questions about this show or for the guests of my show, you can reach me at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can go to the website at skipkimple.com where we post all of our podcasts in addition to all the show notes for all of the shows. You can also use our comment hotline by calling 954-302-0851. Next week is a special treat as I have one of our rock star guests, Karen Bird, CIO for Hooters of America. If you don't know her name, you either are brand new to the industry or instead of knowing who the rock stars are, you've been living under a rock. She is obviously a sought-out speaker at conventions, and there is a reason for that. And you know what? I can't wait to share with you our conversation about their new fast casual concept, Hoots. By the way, this is the first podcast she has ever done, so there is reason alone to listen to next week's show. That's it for this week, and I can't believe next week when we talk, it's going to be March already. So until next Tuesday... Stay safe, stay healthy, 
and stay hungry, my friends. 